0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Film Review Central Podcast with me, Cleo and Grittons. I hope that you're all well. Today is the day that the final podcast of 2020 has arrived and the one that I've literally been telling you guys all about and that is the ranking of every single film I have seen this year as a new release. There has been a lot of time to watch some, some good films, great films, and even worse films. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what my opinion is about this. Obviously, a lot of things have happened this year. There's not been the same amount of movies than previous years, But it's been very, very entertaining to sort of review films over here on the channel, review films personally, to then put them into a dedicated list. I've never had to do this before, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what your guys' opinion on the the placement of these films. And of course, it is uh, New Year's Eve on the day that I'm recording this, so... 2020 is over uh, as far as I'm concerned recording this and it's definitely been a whirlwind year but one that has allowed me to do a podcast, allowed me to do some really really cool stuff over here on the channel but I really really hope we go to get back to normal as quickly as uh, efficiently as possible and also safely uh, as well but no more on uh, the sort of 2020 and what's happened, Uh, I definitely want this to be dedicated about the films um, just a couple of things before we get started. This is going to be a fairly long podcast. So, you know, get prepared for a really, really long one. I've never actually revealed this on a podcast, but I have watched a total of 76 films uh, that were released this year. So it's going to be from rank from 76 to number one. That is the longest ranking I've ever done. I've been doing some stuff on the channel in terms of ranking, but they've only been four, five, six, seven. The, the most have been 23 with the MCU, but nothing quite like 70, 76. So it's definitely going to be a fairly long podcast, but just wanted to let you guys know. Another thing, this is just my opinion. I would love to hear your opinion. There might be some films here that you have never ever seen before or you haven't even heard about. Um, but if you see other uh, critics and podcasters and re- uh, youtubers sort of film rankings you guys will say yeah you know well you know they put it there this is just my opinion i'd love to hear yours what's your favorite film uh, that was released a new release this year so please do let me know that would be fantastic if you could so what i'll do here is i'll sort of uh, go from um sort of The low 10 sort of talk about that and then sort of give it up uh, a little bit as well. So I've got all my notes, all the preparation. So let's get to the ranking of all 76 new releases that I saw this year. Starting with, at number 76, is Battlefield 2025. This is a small budget alienated sci-fi. And this was absolutely awful. I was trying to find a film... That was completely different to anything on this ranking, and I think I can safely say this is the worst film I have ever seen to date. His lack of concrete story and jumpy themes makes for a really, really poor watching experience. The characters were okay, they, were, yeah, they weren't they were bad, but their chemistry was rubbish as you go into the fir- final act. And they sort of mix with sci-fi and horror, some of them genres really worked together some good films. But it wasn't even scary at all. A lot of people could say, what is the worst film we've ever seen this year? Or worst film you've ever saw? And this one has to be the film. It's just not a decent film at all. And three hours and I'm never, ever, ever going to get back. Coming in at number 75 is John Henry. Terry Crews and Ludicrous star in a thrilling drama exclusively on Netflix. This is very, very stereotypical and doesn't offer really much to the genre the only really shining light here is Terry Crews and Ludacris's, uh, you know, good job and good relationship on screen, but an uninteresting story, Ter- stereotypical characters, unnecessary violence and language, does not intrigue fans at all. A lot of people are saying that this possibly could be a sequel, but I wouldn't be interested in an expansion of this story because I just was not entertained by the dynamic of this film and. It was just another film that was going to a streaming platform, but wasn't even an original film. Coming in at number 74 is Jiu-Jitsu. Nicholas Cage stars in a straight-to-video-on-demand, action-packed, alienated adventure so look at that premise with action-packed, alienated adventure. Jiu-Jitsu is in there. Nicolas Cage is part of it. So that's what makes it a very, very frustrating film for me. It has a decent cast and some fantastic hand-to-hand combat for its action sequences, allowing the film to be more realistic rather than just green screen and explosions. Cage has a decent performance inside of the film, but the advertisement gave him much a much bigger role, and I can see why because they're trying to get this film out there on video on demand I think it's so odd to think that it is a movie that you're that you're watching and the directorial style is more like a video game than a film it was definitely frustrating and I couldn't put it any any higher on this ranking because of that simple reason I thought that the idea about you know aliens and jujitsu work really really well on the premise but they had so much potential but just did not deliver. Coming in at number 73 is The App That Stole Christmas. This was a festive Christmas adventure starring Ray J. And this one was absolutely awful. The storyline had potential but the quick runtime and slow pacing does not make any sense for me. There is no structure to the plot, and the characters are either underdeveloped, forgotten, or uninteresting. There's a lot of Christmas films available, but this is not one that I would recommend to any of you guys. Coming out at number 72 is Artemis Fowl. A Disney Plus original starring Kenneth, directed by Kenneth Branagh, is such a disappointment. It features A-lister actors that give awful performances, and a concept that heavily relied on fantasy, but didn't delve into the wacky and the weird. It has an original concept but did not have any further connections with the bulk. So that will anger fans and really, really confuse newcomers to this story. The fact that I had a really really troubling production as well, and Josh Gad coming in just voicing over and you know delivering plot points. Yeah, that's good that they that they covered them plot points. It didn't have to be done in that style. The fact that they gave us a cliffhanger ending as well, and possibly, you know, doing another adaptation of another Artemis Fowl book, makes me even more nervous that they have to put more money into this really, really bad thing. This is actually one of Disney Plus's first original movies, and it definitely didn't start off well, in my opinion. Coming in at number 71 is Operation Christmas Drop. Netflix deliver a family-friendly festive treat based on a true story. Uh, The film is really, really mixed with emotion and it's all broken up as these different genres look at throughout the film. The entire first half is dedicated to learning about these characters and you are basically forced not to like them then the rest of the film is dedicated to their exaggerated love story and puts out all the stops to make these characters likable and good people it's just the most confusing way of doing it the whole operation is montage through particularly at the end if you look if you look into this incredible story you know that that this operation is what could drive the film because it's the title of the film and it's just quickly montage through yet yeah, we've done this but you had to watch all of the planning and preparation. That, for me, it doesn't make an interesting film at all. And a lot of people were making fun of this film because it's set at Christmas. But then they go to a tropical island and it's all sunny and on a beach. I would really like to go to a beach, but not at Christmas. Coming in at number 70 is The Wrong Missy. A Netflix original comedy starring David Spade really lacks the massive part of a comedy. And that's actually being funny. It makes another Happy Madison production slide under the radar and underperform. Spade does well and tries to drive the cast with some success, but ultimately has a really, really poor supporting cast, and strong relationships that are being formed doesn't happen. And it's got the, one of the most annoying love interests I've ever seen in a film. I like David Spade from his other work, but this is one I will not go back to. Coming out number 69 is Four Kids and It, a Sky Cinema original based on the Jacqueline Wilson novel is very, very mediocre and such a generic kids' film. The fantasy elements mixed in with the story and its main character and the key character moments felt very, very repetitive and just like 90s classics where they have to protect whatever fantasy creature they have involved. The kids were annoying at some point and Russell Brand looked really, really odd in this choice. The fact that they spying on all the kids and what's going on, I think that was just really, really weird. Whilst this is a Sky Cinema film that is available for a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people are going to be checking out anytime soon. Coming out at number sixty eight is a babysitter's guide to monster hunting. Rachel Taladay directs a family-filled horror film and a Netflix original. This film hits all the right notes to all the wrong audiences for me. The target audience for the movie and the books is designed for kids, but plot points were very, very dark and creepy. I thought that the main characters were likeable, but the supporting characters were either forgettable or unimportant to the story. Tom Felton is the, the big A-list actor in here. And he one, he's completely unrecognisable. And two, he gives this sort of dark and creepy. So whilst everybody's having a nice love story, um, you know, builds friendships up and builds confidence up. There he comes in and thinks, remember, this is a horror film. And this is for family, so I've got to not be that scary. It's really, really hard for me. Coming in at number 67 is Cage Fighter Worlds Collide. AEW star John Moxley stars in an action packed MMA sport thriller. This delivers on bloody hand to hand combat, redemptive character arts, and relatable characters that's all the positives for me it is predictable and doesn't really have an entertaining supporting cast as they're not featured enough to the overall scene i can one supporting character that you're supposed to care about is in three scenes it's an hour and 50 minutes long so why do you have to care about this character when he's only in three scenes and has probably a page full of full of lines the pacing of the film went far too quick for a one hour and 50 runtime and the certain decisions allowed the film to not have a full redemptive story for our main lead because when he when he finally finishes his winning fight the credits roll that's there's definitely not going to be another film to this I really hope. Coming in at number 66 is Fantasy Island. Michael Penner stars in a thrilling horror based on the 70s show of the same name. If you guys listened to one of my podcasts a couple of weeks ago when I spoke about my most disappointing films this one's got to be up there. It has a very, very average production of quite an original story. Peder is the only standout performer as his mysterious side is intriguing for the audience. However, the horror elements should have been explored more as certain decisions made in the final act ruin the ending. If you watch this film or are interested in this movie, people basically go to an island to live out fantasies. They are the most boring and generic fantasies I think I've ever, ever seen. One of them is wanting to be a soldier. One of them is just having a party with girls in bikinis. And number three is basically torturing her bully at school. Like, they had the potential there to be some really, really cool fantasies to make this film a really, really entertaining film. They definitely did not do that. Coming in at number 65 is Money Plane. Andrew Lawrence, or better known to the WWE Universe if you are a fan out there, as edge go straight to video demand. This film is really really disappointed because the original story about a casino on a plane with had some horrible execution moments and some annoying and stereotypical characters. If it was a more well known story with a bit more marketing and a, looking at this film and thinking, okay, this could be decent, but it had no potential because of the idea of a casino. On a plane was dragged on and definitely not developed for me. Coming in at number sixty-four is Hubie Halloween, a Netflix original comedy. Once again, starring Adam Sandler, is just another comedy that combines his mates for another lifeless and unfunny story. It didn't. Ha- it did have some nice themes and life lessons. But Sandler returns to form alongside Netflix to give us another easily forgettable comedy. I was really disappointed by this film because the fact that we had Uncut Gems, Murder Mystery wasn't bad with Jennifer Aniston. I thought Adam Sandler was on a bit of a rise. After this film was released a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks after that, we discovered that Hubie Halloween is actually going to be Adam Sandler's final comedy. And he's going to move into horror. Read into that what you will, I have no I have no opinion for that. Coming in at number 63 is The Night Clerk. Ty Sheridan stars as the shy Asperger's syndrome worker in this uneasy murder mystery. For me, this film will be the most underrated project that is on the Netflix streaming service. Ty Sheridan is fantastic in the titular role and delivers the side effects of this mental ill character which you become fully engrossed. And the murder mystery element was nice, but it was not developed enough for me. And had some odd, odd but predictable endings about where the story was going to go. It's like they had a full story. They wanted this to be the story. They had the things they had. The one, And then they were reminded that they had to write an ending. And the film was two days before its actual release. And they thought, okay, we'll rush into this. We'll give you something. And we just... We just got it and was like, okay, cheers for that. Didn't work at all. Coming in at number 62 is Bloodshot. Vin Diesel stars in the first film of the Valiant Comics universe. And this is a really, really mediocre attempt at building a cinematic universe. The action and excitement with a strong comic book origin story made me actually quite happy to see this film. And then it got to the end. The, it lacked such a strong villain in the film and was chaotic at times with plot points that were easily forgotten. But when you actually watch the third act, they remind you of them stories and you're like, oh yeah, that happened. It was honestly a really, really messy movie. And the MCU with Iron Man, DC with Man of Steel, they were strong candidates of building a cinematic universe. I'm not saying that this one is. But it's very, very poor. Coming in at number 61 is Super Intelligence. Melissa McCarthy and James Corden start in a HBO Max original comedy. This film, for me, is really, really mixed because the plot was basic and predictable, but the characters' emotions and sort of decisions were relatable. However, there's not a lot of comedy. The fact that Melissa McCarthy is so comedic driven, James Corden's in these sort of nice family filled, fun films. And the love story is not really introduced until half an hour because you're basically getting told that Melissa McCarthy can basically have who she wants because James Corden is a weird, weird sort of, you know, trying to take over the universe. Uh, Carnival is the only one with a decent performance, but Melissa McCarthy really needs to stop being in these same stereotypical roles because I feel like while some of her films are entertaining, another really, really isn't. Kicking us off in our top 60, yeah no, top 60, I told you this was going to be a long podcast, is the main event. Seth Carr stars in a Netflix original comedy based on the WWE recruitment programme. Uh, this had a fantastic potential to attract to a specific audience for Netflix, but ultimately did not have that extra star power it required. The opposing genres of action, comedy, lighthearted emotion and romance doesn't really work in a fast-paced story that had to constantly be WWE sort of branded and it's not the worst film of the year but it's not very memorable either. I'm a big big fan of the WWE and I actually used to watch it a lot of the time when I was younger so when I actually saw that they were going to make this film I wanted to see the WWE superstars in there. It basically just got its B players. Coming in at number 59 is Just Another Christmas. Leonardo has some stars in a festive Portuguese Netflix movie And this one has got a mixed reaction for me because I'm not, I don't watch a lot of foreign films, but this, I thought, yeah, I'm going to watch this film. It's a Christmas movie. It's going to be part of my ranking and, uh, you know, expanding sort of my uh, foreign films in the process. And it was very, very mixed for my first foreign movie. The story was inspiring, delivered some nice family moments. The lead character had a simplistic but thoroughly entertaining character development and had a good chemistry with every single actor he interacted with. I do think the tone swiftly changes, though, from a light-hearted and comedic to emotional and gut-wrenching with its certain decisions. This is clear at the ending because of the growing up as time goes on But it relies on the most extreme stories to rely on in the third act and sort of makes you think, oh my god, he's just not spent enough time with his family, can't remember any of these decisions. There were nice messages throughout, but the execution could be so much better. Coming in at number 58 is The Prom. Meryl Streep leads an all-star cast in a film based on the Broadway musical. Uh, This film is actually really poignant in today's society, and the music is quite catchy with the stars really, really driving the film through its music. However, the story was driven through songs, so every single 10-15 minutes you had another song to listen to to drive the film on. I do think the plot is well suited to the stage because of them song choices, but in a musical you have to have that story as well and the music nicely added in for good measure. But it was very, very stuck to the Broadway musical and say, basically, we're going to go from the stage to the screen and everything's going to be the same. And it, it, that's why there's a massive, massive difference. And it just wasn't a decent film to watch. Coming in at number 57 is The Sleepover. Trish shy directs a family-friendly spy comedy. And it's not bad but it's another slacky and really unrelatable comedy with the same stereotypical characters it has a sense of family which is quite nice to see but it doesn't have that urgency with the plot or with the character development to make you want to see what the characters do next it's for me it's just another Netflix original film in the collection that you might just say oh yeah there's let's watch this because the kids are around Coming at number fifty six is *Doolittle*. Robert Downey Jr.'s first film post MCU Iron Man is very very mixed for me. I know a lot of people really really hate this film, and another people think, okay, that wasn't bad. For me, it's very mixed, hence why it is sort of in the middle of this ranking. This, uh, Downey was good in the role as he brought a sense of comedy seriousness and had a special connection to the rest of the characters. It was colorful and approached the target audience really really well. However, the third act become really, really forgettable. And it introduced these characters and these animals which you think this has gone from a light-hearted comedy to a massive, massive fantasy film. With characters that I can't even remember because they didn't even introduce them in the first act. I think Robert Downey Jr. is trying to have a big, big role and I think Doolittle could have really, really worked with him. But for me, the film just did not attract... Me, as the other films with Eddie Murphy should have done. Coming in at number 55 is Spencer Confidential, a Netflix original starring Mark Wahlberg and Winston Duke. And this is a proper action film that Netflix can really deliver on. Wahlberg and Winston Duke actually work really well together and have a blend of comedy and excitement that can allow this story to feel proper Uh action-packed and dedicated to its dedicated genre. However, I do think the storyline was weak and stereotypical and the supporting cast was a massive hit and miss. Some of them were really really entertaining to watch while others just had to fill a certain scene or uh, a moment for our our main two characters. Coming at number 54 is The Lovebirds, a Netflix original comedy starring Camille Nanjiani and the reason why I actually watched this film is because it was a recommendation because Camille Nanjiani is now of the MCU with the Eternals and he did a fantastic job in Men in Black International he, in terms of this film it really does have a very generic comedy that does deliver in certain scenes and these characters are really intriguing to them. Sort of learn about and learn about their story and Ray does have amazing chemistry and brings a high level of interesting and heartwarming scenes however there's not a solid supporting character that people can feel like Is a bit of a difference from our main character and a generic villain that only appears in the third act doesn't feel the film to have much stakes coming at number 53 is seven seven five zero zero yes that is how you say this film Uh, this is an amazon prime original starring joseph gordon levitt and this one is a tense thriller that allows the characters to have intriguing character arcs but maintain the big themes that are explored in this movie. Gordon Levitt was the only standout performer and the themes of these characters were relatable but quite stereotypical if you think about a flight being um, took over by kidnappers. I was disappointed on this because I like Gordon Levitt but it's a very very average film for streamer service who does need a home run in their collection. Coming out at number 52 is Animal Crackers. Now, this is a Netflix original that premiered at the 2017 Anarchy International Animated Film Festival, but is now released to us as an audience in 2020, hence why this is on this list. For me, it's a very light-hearted and comedic-based film that has a sweet story and nice character interactions. I do think the certain characters are very undeveloped and quite annoying, especially on the villain side. Uh... But an A-lister cast does really well and makes an ambitious effort to explore something different and makes another really nice animation people can watch with families. Missing out on the top 50 for me is Scoob. A mystery animation based on the beloved kids TV show is an average family film that completely attracts to kids and didn't feel like a family friendly adventure the TV shows are always been memorable for. With a strong voice cast and a well-known property, it has a big chance to be a new kids series. Combine the COVID-19 issue and a stereotypical storyline and you have quite a weak film. The whole gang that is... Basically, the poster interaction for this are broken apart, and the superhero elements didn't really feel like a kid's one, but they felt like superhero films are popular right now. Let's put that in our film, and it just didn't really work for me. Kicking us off into the top 50 is my spy an amazon prime original starring dave batista is a really sweet com- comedy driven movie with relatable characters and some strong action sequences in there for good measure due to there being a lot of different genres explored in the film there's too much of a tone change within the scenes the relationship between the characters are nice to see but it doesn't have a very pre- it doesn't have a very predictable plot and a ending so whilst this film could have kicked off something I think with it being on a streaming service that's not really popular, it sort of hurt their idea of this one. Coming down number 49 is Superman Red Son. A DC animated movie centering on The Man of Steel is extremely disappointing for me, but is better than all the other films we've talked about already on this list. Its focus on a political action film rather than a superhero animation will not be approachable to the target audience that they're invested in. Its cast and well-known characters are really underdeveloped for me and does not have a lot of screen time because they're in such alternate stories they don't impact what they're trying to do as the main plot line. However, it's nice to see this character have a solo film that's adapted from a well-known and original comic. But for me, that's the only thing that it's really, really going for. Coming out at number 48 is Magic Camp. A Disney Plus original movie starring Adam Devine is such a light-hearted comedy that will delight and inspire young audiences in the world of magic. Devine does bring all the comedy and the young cast are nice and interesting because the target audience for the film are the kids the same age as the kids portrayed in the movie. The problem with the film, really, for me, is that it's very predictable and some jokes could fall flat in certain areas and it's got that very stereotypical thing of it montages through the training programmes just to rush to that final plot. Coming at number 47 is Project Power. A Netflix original starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Jamie Foxx is quite disappointing because the premise is extremely original but falls flat in some areas, particularly the powers that these people get from taking this drug are really really generic and they had to go a little bit more original. Fox is exceptional for his role that sort of dark uh, person who you know basically does what he does for his own good but again Gordon-Levitt feels like another repetitive role for him because he's just the glue keeping this all together. The idea was good but the, the, the imagination could have been a bit better but the lack of a big budget allowed the film to feel very very small And not jump out to new heights within the genre. Coming at number 46 is Honest Thief. Liam Neeson stars in a criminal action thriller directed by Mark William. And this is another generic Liam Neeson thriller. It contains over-the-top action sequences, serious lines, and a small supporting cast. And the overall story was interesting. The nicest twists and turns were effective for me. But I do think that another Neeson thriller that are really, really repetitive in cinema similar doesn't honestly feel like Liam Neeson is doing anything different and the second half is just a very very massive drag that basically they're setting up everything for the final act but then it doesn't do much else to the overall story. Coming in at number 45 is Batman Death in the Family. Brandon Vietti directs the first ever DC animated interactive experience and this film definitely uh, piqued my interest through the trailers and the whole idea that you can make decisions on your own a well-known story mixed with a decent cast allows the story to tell itself and the short runtime allows the fans to really feel intense and that's exactly what the characters are doing inside of the movie i did want the choices more choices to be made within the film and the runtime to be so much longer than it was i understand that an animation it's got to sort of stick to a possibly an hour and a half runtime, but this was an hour and a half with four shorts that were half an hour long as well. It definitely didn't feel like a film that really 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 reached its potential. Coming up at number forty-four is Trolls World Tour, an animated sequel starring Justin Timberlake. Is not as good as the original movie. The new characters really prioritized from the new. Than the old characters. Which didn't mean any development for the originals. The colourful and bright set film. Filled with catchy songs and lovable characters. Made this exciting for kids. But the fact that it was. The the different types of music that it was exploring. Changed it completely. And the themes of sticking together. Being being the same. Wasn't explored because they were basically a part for the whole film. Really really odd choices for a very very for potentially a good sequel. Coming at number 43 is The New Mutants. Fox and Marvel finally deliver the 13th and final X-Men movie in their series. And for me, this is really entertaining, but on the other hand, very, very frustrating. The action sequences were excellent and the subtle horror elements paid good respect to the comics making it unlike any X-Men film that we have seen previous. I think the small team of mutants and a small cast allows these characters to feel very, very developed and massively central to the plot. However, the pacing was far too quick, and these X-Men were not as interesting with their powers as they possibly could have been. And the main problem here, which a, a, is a problem with main X-Men films, is the villain. There's, it kept changing every half an hour. So when you were you know fully involved in the villains motives and understandings for what they do for what they're doing then it completely changes to a different one i think it was really really odd and the fact that we've been waiting three years for this one it if it was the best film ever it would have been good if it was anything below that it would have been a massive disappointment coming at number 42 is superman man of tomorrow the 39th animated original movie Starring the son of Krypton is an entertaining film that focuses on a part of Superman's character arc and story that we've not really seen yet on the screen. The voice cast is well known and voiced well known characters that die hard comic book fans will enjoy see an adaptation. I do think it can have some running time issues particularly at the end where it's really really rushing a final act that was quite interesting to see and the graphic violence explored in that final act would not really make it attracted for kids their target audience. I think it was definitely better than Superman Red Sun, but this, this film could have been a lot, lot better. Just missing out on the top 40 is Mulan. A Disney live action remake of a classic animation hands itself really well to a live action formula as the story and world building is exciting and captivating to see on screen. The character of Mulan was grounded and inspiring, but the supporting cast definitely felt underappreciated because the whole idea about Mulan having to sort of be, you know, respectable to her family, but then also has to sort of work with all of these men definitely felt very, very weird. I think the story was very slow and it picked up pace until the final act but once it picked up pace and you felt like it was something i was exploring it it completely went off the rails and ended the film so whenever i rank the live action remakes this one is definitely not going to be top spot for me coming at number 40 is the rental dave franco's directorial dave starring his wife Alison Bray is a gripping and intriguing horror that blends interesting genres and dark, gritty setting. The cast was small but intriguing with their decisions and the character development was very, very strong from when you started the film to at the end. However the trailers didn't really hint did hint at massive, massive horror, but it was only featured really in the third act, but they definitely went all out of it and I want to see what Dave Franco does next in the director's chair. Coming at number 39 is The Hunt. A Blumhouse production directed by Craig Zobel has an original storyline and some bloody action moments, particularly at the beginning. The main character is comedic but very, very brutal, allowing the development of the, uh, the titular character to be entertaining to watch. However, the supporting characters was killed off far too early and the mystery elements of the villains really, really dragged on. So you definitely have to care about one character and then it expands it to so many different people coming in at number 38 is Wonder Woman 1984 Gal Gadot returns as the Amazon warrior in the ninth film of the DCEU this film is very very different to its predecessor where it lacks the same themes and intentions but it makes up for that for a very different message and focus for our character Gadot Definitely brings another solid performance. And Pascal is fantastic in the role of Maxwell Lord. And Wig has a very chari- clear character development between the third act, three acts. However the action is heavily replaced by character development. And the new tone doesn't match any other DCEU project, Which is disappointing because they are now seven years on. And they're still trying to find that interconnected tone that we've been looking for. And I've definitely been very very crit- critical about in the DCEU. Coming at number 37 is The Christmas Chronicles 2. Kurt Russell stars as Saint Nicholas in this Christmas fantasy sequel from Netflix. Again, this delivers another lovely magical element of a Christmas family film. And it has much more of a stronger plot and character development than the first one. But delivers on the continuity of the returning characters that we know about. I think the story can be very, very quick at the beginning and slows down at the end. But the themes about this and the entire world of of Christmas definitely makes it a very very Christmassy film and it was released at the at the beginning of December so definitely got me in the Christmas spirit. Coming up at number 36 is Phineas and Ferb Candace Against the Universe. A Disney Plus original based on the popular children's show was my type of film because I grew up I was the perfect day to watch Phineas and Ferb on the Disney on their Disney channels. The main characters are all the main characters are back, which was really good to see, and the new characters were really nice additions. If you appreciate the crazy, unrealistic and bizarre choices that the movie makes, but also the TV shows that really introduce, it's definitely something for you, but it's only dedicated really to the fans of the TV shows like myself, because it feels like you have to watch the TV show to understand how crazy this movie really, really is. Coming up at number 35 is The Lego Star Wars Story. Disney Plus delivers a Lego animated adventure based on the sci-fi spectacular franchise, and this film doesn't take itself seriously at all and has so much fun. Its time travel elements and comedic moments allow the story to develop develop and move on as the three X go. I would have preferred it to be a bit longer, but it attracted to its target audience and celebrated an incredible franchise that's been going on strong ever, ever since the 1970s. Coming at number 34 is Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. A Netflix musical comedy based on their popular music competition has a lot of heartfelt moments and uses an original story to be the backdrop for a romantic comedy. Will Ferrell and McAdams bring realism and has a fantastic relationship inside of the film which drives this story along. My my biggest disappointment here is the comedy is heavily sexual related, and the tone shifts too much from a very very serious music competition to constant jokes related to sort of sexual scenes and sexual moments. Command number thirty three is Deathstroke Knights and Dragons, a DC comic adaptation. Going straight to Video On Demand is a return to form for DC Animations for me. I actually watched this after the two Superman films that I've already mentioned. And this is definitely the best DC adaptation animated film I saw this year. A villain origin story is nice to see as we resemble a building origin story for a character explored in the Justice League and in the Arrow TV show. It has explosive action scenes and a really, really strong story and themes about family and redemption. However, they do have different villains in each act, which really, really frustrated me. It can be a bit rough around the edges with its story, but definitely one of the most entertaining animated films I saw. Coming out number 32 is Sonic the Hedgehog. A sci-fi fantasy adventure based on the beloved video game franchise is another movie based on a video game. But it did something completely unique to the genre. It had such a troubling production. I had no idea what the potential that this film had. But I actually thought it was really, really good. It focused on the main character's story and its character development was filled with comedy and excitement. And this Sonic was definitely dri- driving all of the comedy. I do think the pacing was slow and it got a bit repetitive by the end of the third act. But James Marsden was really, really good in it because he... Was basically just a supporting character. And Jim Carrey definitely brought it with the villain. So there's some really really nice performances. And one of the biggest shocks. Coming in at number 31. Is Greyhound. An Apple Plus war film starring Tom Hanks. Is very very moving. And a powerful story that further explores Individuals during World War 2. The imagery and story were gripping. And provided real insight. Into the unknown stories. Hanks. right certain moments that that could be an issue because it definitely had that grand grand scale and there was a lot more story rather than action, something that I definitely want to see in war films kicking us off our top 30 is Call of the Wild, a heartwarming drama based on the 1903 novel starring Harrison Ford is such an emotional and beautifully shot drama the tone shifts in every act and allows the fans to naturally watch the journey that the that book the dog was on i do think that it turns away from the novel a little bit too much but it's a film especially for dog lovers and allows people definitely to have a warm and you know emotional connection to these characters even though they are dogs coming up at number 29 is ma rainey's black bottom a viola davis stars as the mother of the blues in a netflix original biopic the performances from Davis were breathtaking and transformative while Bozeman was really intriguing and emotional given the situation that of course he is in and we all know about. The runtime was a bit quick and the story was very very pass- fast-paced making the lead character and her motive feel very very underdeveloped. But this film is definitely very very emotional due to what happened to Bozeman this year and he will f- and definitely he will forever be missed. So Live long Wakanda forever to Bozeman, and he has done fantastic in his last ever role. Coming in number 29, 28, sorry, is Happiest Season. It's been a very, very long podcast. Uh, Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis star in a festive rom-com Hulu original. And it's definitely what well, a rom-com should be heartwarming, but also having that blend of comedy with a powerful message. The message of acceptance and strong relationship with loved ones is delivered through the development of the characters and the plot that has been explored. And even the constant addition of new characters can feel uh, very, very crowded and forgot forgotten about, particularly at the end where they're all in one scene together. You understand just how crowded this film really, really is. Coming in at number 27 is The Five Blood, a Netflix original thriller star directed by Spike Lee, is a powerful drama that tackles so many racial and social inequalities. The themes explored and the emotion that the leading cast experience is clear in the story and definitely the flashbacks with real footage being used inside of the film. The runtime can be a bit too long and could have hard themes for some fans to handle, but it's definitely looking at a part of history and a war that was so bloody definitely looks at that literally 30 or 40 years later. Coming at number 26 is Extraction, a Netflix original film starring Chris Hemsworth and produced by the Russo brothers is a die-hard action film that dedicates every scene to great hand-to-hand coordination, explosions and shootouts. Chris Hemsworth drives the film and the Bollywood actors are nice additions with supporting characters. Due to the director being a stunt coordinator, the action sequences can feel very, very repetitive at some point. But his directorial style is very, very original. And the way that he uses that to his advantage, it makes a very, very entertaining action film. Coming in at number 25 is Lennon's Last Weekend. Sky Arts deliver a musical documentary remembering the life of the outspoken Beatle. I'm a massive, massive Beatles fan. I listen to loads of their music a lot of the time. My family are massive, massive Beatles fans, and this is the only documentary I was I could watch this year, which was really frustrating for me because I definitely did want to watch more. But uh, the position on this ranking just shows that it was very, very entertaining. It was heartfelt and opened with us the subject matters of Lennon's last life. Instead of featuring a lot on the Beatles and that story, it featured the highs and lows of Lennon as a solo artist and. Taught fans new stuff and what they actually, what he actually experienced. I think it can move quickly from time zones, but it is a celebration of Lennon and his personality, music and opinions that definitely made him very very outspoken. Coming at number twenty four is Anola Holmes. Millie Bo- Millie Bobby Brown stars as the popular detective sibling in another Netflix original. I know there's been so many on this list, but Netflix has definitely saved uh, cinema in 2020. Uh, This film is delightfully entertaining and expands these characters into new stories and mysteries. Bobby Brown excels in the lead role and brings some relatability and humour to her performance, especially with her scenes with Partridge. I do think the ending can drag and certain characters feel very underdeveloped, but it's a celebration of a new character in hopefully a new cinematic universe. Coming out at number twenty three is The Devil All the Time. Tom Holland leads an all-star cast in a Netflix original psychological thriller that's very, very dark, bleak, and gritty. Certain individual performances drive the narrative forward, and the themes that are explored are very, very dark and very, very adultery-based. I think it can drag on a little bit, especially over that two-hour runtime, but a very, very change of genres for a Netflix original, and something that I went into very, very positive about watching. Coming up at number 22 is The Old Garden. A Netflix original based on the popular comic book is another action film that does have some notable differences. The action sequences are really spy based and they do not repeat certain stunts allowing every single scene to have new and original action moments. Theron does well to bring these dark and gritty characters to life and the film has more of a concrete story than any other Netflix property I saw this year. However, the trailer does reveal a lot about the film, and it feels restricted by its budget, so they really tried to go all out there, but had to remember that they had such a small budget, which was really, really frustrating for me. Missed out on the top 20 is Freaky. Vince Vaughan stars in a bloody horror directed by Christopher Landon. This is bloody, comic- comedic and entertaining, all wrapped in a horror, but quite grounded and relatable role. That's definitely very, very difficult to be doing. Vaughn and Newton have great performances and the sudden change in character is quite entertaining to watch. The tone does maintain every scene and the plot keeps its momentum. I do think the ending could have just been stayed as a... Cliffhanger to have potential of a good and scary sequel, but the film definitely felt very, very di- interesting indeed. Kicking us off in the top 20 is Bill and Ted Face the Music. Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves return in the third film of the Bill and Ted series, and this one, this one is once again goofy, entertaining, and an easy story to watch. Despite most of the screen time being dedicated to the titular characters, New and old supporting characters allowed this film to supply comedic moments, especially their two daughters, who are just a straight parody of them. However, I do feel the plot of the film is just a mashup of the first two films, but shortened, so they're basically protecting themselves and saying, yes, we're giving you what we wanted, what you want, and what you got from the first two films, but I wanted to see more of a progression for these two characters as we get into the final part of this ranking i just want to let you know that all 19 films that are remaining on this ranking is a massive massive positive and i don't look at any single negatives so let's get the negatives out of the way for the other films i've explored and let's talk about some really really good films and also hidden gems from 2020 Let's start with number 19 with Bad Boys for Life. The third film and the return in the Bad Boys series is a high octane action movie with big explosions and gigantic set pieces. I think it has a story that develops the franchise but also gives it a new light in the genre and our main characters. The, the massive problem with films that have a very very long time in installments is that you you have to bring these characters into this world again but also attract to a new audience, and it does all of that, and I definitely can't wait to see Bad Boys 4 hitting cinemas, hopefully, fingers crossed, very, very soon. Coming at number 18 is Love and Monsters. Dylan O'Brien stars in a post-apocalyptic adventure that went straight to video on demand. This one is definitely a hidden gem I was just mentioning about, and I can't recommend this film enough. O'Brien is entertaining and comedic, allowing the audience to fully engross in his motives and character development. A really, really cool storyline with a very, very small and condensed cast allows the film to understand the motives and character development of every person that has been featured in the film in this horrible and post-apocalyptic time. It reminded me of I Am Legend, and I definitely put them film on such a par in the dedicated genres. Coming out at number 17 is Bombshell. Margot Robbie stars in a true story based on the Fox News scandal in 2016. Now, this was a film that America actually got in 2019. But I saw this film in 2020 on its release date in the UK. So that's why it's a 2020 film for me. The film is one of the most honest and compelling biopics I have definitely seen in recent time. It Educates a new audience and gives justice to the real people involved. The A-list actors do really, really well. And there's a great resemblance to the real people if you explore a little bit more into the true story. I definitely think that this film deserved more marketing because it's definitely something that opens the lid on the new scandals we hear so much more about. Coming in at number 16 is The Way Back. A truly honest sports drama starring Ben Affleck It heavily focuses on the dramatic side and has the sport elements as the backdrop. Affleck's performance is good because of his character, is so loud, and you definitely learn a lot more about this character in every single scene. I think it has some sports stereotypes and will be heavily related compared to, to Coach Carter, but I definitely think it shouldn't because Ben Affleck and De- Gavin O'Connor and their collaboration gives us a more of a complex story and definitely reasons why he's, he's made certain decisions out number 15 is the invisible man for me this is the biggest surprise of the year because the horror and sci-fi elements were so amazing to watch mars absolutely smashes it out the park for me and the sporting cast was small but really enjoyable and relatable the cgi used is brilliant and only the seven million budget makes it a lot more interesting and intriguing if you guys listen to a podcast i did a couple of months ago now with a very very good friend of mine kyle saddington he actually recommended this film saying you need to watch it and i did and that is why he definitely gives me the best recommendations coming on at number five, 14 is hamilton disney plus a disney plus film recording of the theatrical show is stunning with its production. From the incredible visual, stelling performances and an intelligent directorial style, you feel transformed and feel like an audience member even though you're watching it in the comfort of your own home. It should bring more theatre productions on streaming services because the whole idea of this production definitely kept theatre watchers definitely entertained in 2020. Coming at number 13 is Jingle Jangle A Christmas Journey. Forrest Whitaker stars in a Christmas-filled musical fantasy exclusively on Netflix. This one was such a delightful Christmas fantasy because it definitely dedicated itself to its genre. It had magical moments, exciting set pieces and enjoyable characters to, to watch and understand. The themes of family, magic and Christmas shone through and the music was nicely spaced out inside of it. It's definitely very, very enjoyable for audiences getting themselves in the Christmas mood. Coming at number 12 is Birds of Prey. Margot Robbie returned as the Queen of Gotham in the 8th film of the DCEU. Robbie gives another fun and comedic performance and gives the same amount of energy that she had in Suicide Squad. The casting of the Birds of Prey allowed the film to introduce more of DC's large catalogue of characters. The organisation's the story could be a bit confusing at some points, but fans of the Superstar Squad and Harley Quinn as a whole will understand that that is basically a story and montaged in Harley Quinn's mind because she's so crazy. I think it was a very, very odd choice, but definitely very, very positive. Coming out number 11 is Richard Jewell, a crime-based drama based on the events of the 1996 Atlanta bombings, again, was a twenty-nine film in the US, but it was released in 2020 and I'm from the UK, so it is a 2020 movie for me. It's a truly emotional story with an incredible strong leading performance and a fascinating character arc for not only them, but also the supporting characters involved in this true story. It looks and acts as jeweled fantastically and portrays the character with honesty and has strong connections with the rest of the characters. I do think it's suffered sort of a controversy which didn't help the idea, but Richard Jewell is definitely one of the films that definitely excited me def- excited me to watch again and again. Kicking us off in the top ten is Soul. This is the actually the most recent film I've seen with it being released on Christmas Day. And it's another solid Disney and Pixar animation. The family friendly story and likable characters is what drives the emotional connection and the message of having a place in this world. I do think it can switch tone very, very quickly. But the, the fact that the adventure and the messages it created made it for a really, really nice and solid animation. Coming in at number nine is Jojo Rabbit. The comedic war drama starring Scarlett Johansson is just another film that was released in America in 2019, but we got it in 2020. It has a really, really controversial idea. And its storyline and time period definitely hands itself to that. It does its job to inform the audience about what happened during this time. And how the war is perceived through a Nazi child. I think the general portrayal of the Nazis didn't give an honest representation. But it definitely stuck within its genre. And is definitely going to be a film that I, I remember due to its really, really wacky themes. And its time period and how comedic it really is coming in at number 8 is Palm Springs, a Hulu original rom-com directed by Max Barbica is an intriguing and captivating rom-com that delivers on great character development, comedic characters and repetitive style, Sandberg melodic chemistry does deliver and makes the audience appreciate the two leads, relationship and moments. the original concept but still looking at you know, repeating the same day it definitely makes it an entertaining film and another hidden gem in 2020 coming in at number 7 is The Trial of Chicago 7 Aaron Sorkin directs a political drama based on the extraordinary true, true story and for me it's the most entertaining political drama I have ever seen the all ensemble cast gives incredible performances especially Redmayne and Baron Cohen and they're definitely their chemistry between each other The themes and character development are clear and there are so many shocking scenes that you forget that this film is actually a biopic. I think the organisation of the film could confuse fans quite a bit, but like I said, it's a fantastic drama. Coming out at number six is Just Mercy. An American drama based on the amazing true story is an incredibly compelling biopic that has so many impactful scenes and moments that truly compliment a well-told story. The chemistry between Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx worked really, really well and the decision that is made in the movie allows the audience to see the horror these men could have encountered. Kicking us off in the top five is Onward. Tom Holland and Chris Pratt returns for this magical fantasy from Pixar and I have to say it is my favourite animation of the year. It delivers an emotion, comedy, and fantasy within the story and makes the characters become relatable for the audience. I do think it wasn't given enough marketing, and which is because we were going through a pandemic, I, I completely understand, but is a really, really return, for, return to form for Pixar in that original ambition. Coming in at number four is Mank. Gary Oldman stars as the Oscar winning screenwriter in the Netflix original biopic, and this is has fantastic and ticks all the box in certain styles perfectly directed fantastic script great visually and understands the time zones oldman and Seifel take control of every scene and brings these origin brings originality to these real life characters i do think it has a bit more of a detailed insight into hollywood rather than the script development for citizen Kane. but if you guys are people who want to watch a lot of films that are massive in Award season, that you have to check that this one out. Coming in at number three is The Gentleman. Guy Ritchie stars, directs a gangster action thriller starring Matthew McConaughey, and this film was my favorite film of the decade because it was the first film I saw this decade. Uh, the levels of comedy and action written really make people remember that Guy Ritchie's favorite genre is gangsters, and he's back at his best. McConaughey and Hunnam leads this cast in terms of characters, but Hugh Grant and Colin Farrell really have standout performances. The film won't get enough recognition for me, but if you're a fan of gangster films and you're a fan of Guy Ritchie and the actors I've just mentioned, definitely check it out. Missing out on the top spot for me is 1917. An Oscar winning war film directed by Sam Mendes is another beautifully shot and well told war film. Sam Mendes brings... A sense of uni-directorial to the film, and you get to learn and appreciate the two leads that drive not only the film, but also the story. I do think it gives a beautiful and well-told story that displays realism and honour for the soldiers and their opinions about the whole idea of war. But my number one this year is Tenant. Christopher Nolan's brand new time-bending sci-fi is another iconic Nolan flick that you can just add to his filmography. The grand scale of the characters and story were mind-blowing, and it must be watched on the big screen to appreciate the loudness and boldness that Nolan definitely delivers on. Patterson and Washington had really good chemistry, and Brunner excelled as the villain, showing that his, his his main stake is being a villain. There's been talk... About the expansion of this world. But for me it's really really not needed. Because Tenant is another Nolan film. That will be talked about for years to come. So that is the ranking of every single new release film. That I saw this year. This is obviously a very 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 long podcast. I really do apologise that there are two big big podcasts. But at the end of the year you have to go big in. You have to go really really enjoyable. I hope that you guys all enjoy um. The films that I've just mentioned and also make you guys really intrigued in these films coming up. There are so many films that you guys definitely need to see. And I definitely want to go into next year giving you guys some fantastic recommendations. I love you all and thank you so much for everything that you've done for me this year. You guys are the best, best people. And I really, really hope that you guys will get from this Horrible, horrible time that we're experiencing and enjoy films and everywhere. I love you and see you guys in the new year. For the final time this year, I don't know what my next podcast will be about, but there'll be something that you love. See you in a bit and happy new year.